0: So welcome, everybody. Um, Today's episode, we're joined again with Alison, and Alison has been with us for a few episodes now, walking us through the seasons. And this episode is all about summer. But if you did actually want to go back and re-listen to um, episode one, which was about winter, or episode seven, which was about spring. So Alison, welcome again. It's lovely to have you with us
1: lovely to be here again thank you for having me
0: <laughs> you're welcome so we're entering into the month of summer so um, quite high vibe i feel
1: <laughs> i'm looking out the window now and i'm not, <laughs> not feeling it at the moment so hopefully the high vibes are coming yeah
0: i'm sure they are <laughs> uh,
1: yeah we've been uh, looking at how we can um adjust our self-care throughout the seasons haven't we um yeah. And and so as we're heading into summer, we're going to look at it through a traditional Chinese medicine model. So it's going to be, again, a little bit different of of how we think of the organs, um, because obviously it's thousands of years old, this medicine. So the connection came about from um, uh, meditation, connecting with themselves, connecting with the environment and with nature. So it just it might just be a little bit more poetic than than what we're used to when we talk about them. Talk about the organs. So the organ that is related to um, the summer energy is heart. Um, uh, so it's related to summer, and the emotion is joy, and the element is fire, and the colour red, and um, it, it's expressed into the face and the, the, the tongue, and it's paired with the um, small intestine, but also uh, pericardium. And something that's not really an organ, it's called Sanjiao, or um, some of you might know it as a triple warmer or triple heater, which is to do with water, water path- pathways. Um, so there's a, a, a few different organs that it also works closely with. And the, the functions of the heart are that it's kind of the, the master of, of blood and the commander of blood vessels, and, and it's, they say it houses Shen, so blood and blood vessels, we can kind of relate to that easily enough that the heart would be in charge of circulation. But Shen might be something that could be a little bit new, a new idea. So it's um, S-H-E-N and loosely it's described as vitality. I think one of the best ways that I heard it described as was it's the, the light that shines out of your eyes when you're truly awake. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that was a really nice, it's kind of an you know, energetic expression of your, your inner vitality. And and sometimes you just meet people who've just got it and they've, they've just got that shine. And I, I was on a course and I was I did a four day course and there was this guy that was on the course. He happens to have written a couple of meditation books. So he's done the work, you know, and we'd walk back to the train station and he'd peel off to his station. I keep on walking. And I would just smile all the way back to my station because he just it it kind of came out of his paws, this sense of vitality
0: and and awakeness almost. I I do know what you mean. I've been in the company of people that carry that same sort of vibration. And it's fascinating to hear you say that actually, because um, often when people talk about the soul, um, I've heard it um, explained to be seated in two different places and I'm still exploring that myself. Some of them say it's sort of in the center of the head, just behind the eyebrows at the back. And others have said that the seat of the soul is in the heart. So what you're saying there is actually quite resonant with that. You know, wherever you choose to believe the soul actually sits, you know, if it comes from the heart and then out through the eyes, you know, it, it's still that sort of amazing vibrational purity, which I, I think is what you're touching on there.
1: Yeah, so, and we're going to look at it through that lens when we, when we talk about heart and we go a little bit more into, into heart health. So yeah, it's thought to obviously be in charge of blood, blood vessels, but also this idea of housing our sense of purpose and vitality that kind of resides in the heart.
0: Yeah. Mm. So you mentioned the word pericardial, is that, was that correct? Pericardial. Yeah. Yeah. What's that exactly?
1: It's a, it's connected tissue that um, is around the heart and it protects the heart from physical shock and um, infections um but it also protects the heart from emotional blows so i think i think maybe we'll talk about this a little bit later because it's such a big it's a real big piece so yeah mm. it's, a, it's, it's really um it's a physical organ it's not just an energetic organ it's a physical organ and it's the heart protector but obviously with that this comes um it can go into overprotective mode sometimes, but I think we'll go into that a little bit later on.
0: Yeah, sure. No, it's fascinating. I mean, I think you know we've we've learned along the path so far that we're not linear. You know, everything about us operates at a very multi-dimensional, energetic layering. Um, so it does make sense. So, um, with regard to the summer, we, you've mentioned about the sort of increased vitality and the word heat, and um, you know the tongue came up. And so, so can you expand a little bit more about those aspects of the summer and and the season and and the heart?
1: Yeah. So the heart energy is more full in the summer, and the um, it's the element that it's related to is is fire, um, and it's reflected in the face. And I think sometimes if we're thinking about that idea of genitality we've talked about somebody who just it just comes out of their paws and sometimes you can see someone and they're a little bit dark kind of dark in their eyes and there's something that there's some hard time that they've gone through and something's kind of been been drawn out of them so you can you can see both aspects of that so it's kind of reflected, reflected in the, in the uh, the heart, this is reflected in the in the face and the tongue. The tongue is it t- more to do with, because all the blood vessels that come out of there, because when we look at the tongue in Chinese medicine, there's a different area of the tongue that relates to different organs anyway. So that's just the, the, the general tongue when we're talking about the tongue,
0: mm. yeah. So with regard to the heart itself, um, When do you feel, you know, how would you really know if your heart energy is sort of in or out of balance? How are we going to know those sort of pointers?
1: So out of balance, you're going to get like symptoms of like a vague kind of sadness that you you, you don't really know what's going on and difficulty concentrating and um, a poor memory um, and maybe some kind of anxiety and uh, nervousness um sometimes some insomnia and then of course palpitations um or um irregular r- irregular heartbeat which you you'd expect those if it was a if it's a heart issue but the other ones are more of that reflection of maybe a, a lack of vitality and a, and a lack of purpose so yeah mm. of those kinds of more vague you can't quite put your finger on it but you're just not feeling that Full
0: of vitality, mm. and I mean, I, I, as you were describing that, I mean, uh, you know, I speak to a lot of people most days with my clients, and that's quite a regular, um, sort of tempo or experience of life, you know, it's quite a fear based. Uh, core root to it and it's reflecting like you say sort of the palpitations and the nervousness you know because as you've already mentioned it's the heart and it's you know it, the, the blood and it, everything's running through the entire system isn't it so you know the, like palpitations can, you can actually physically feel it in the center of your chest but that sort of general anxiety um is through the whole body really isn't it it can be yeah
1: and, and you can't always put your finger on on the cause of it. And sometimes it just feels a little bit vague and a little bit in the background. So yeah, it's, it can be really hard to pinpoint what what exactly is going on. Mm.
0: Yeah. So what would you, um, you know, if you're feeling or sensing that sort of imbalance, well, what what could we do to be bringing that back into some harmony?
1: So I think there's a, there's a few different places that we can start. If we look at self-love, and I, I, I don't know about you, when I was growing up, it, if you said oh you love yourself it was a really bad <laughs> it was a bad thing there was there's no emphasis on being comfortable in your in your own skin um or having compassion for yourself it was um it was kind of frowned upon almost so now we're left with a every I don't have many clients who when I when we connect in that way that they have that that they can, they say, oh yeah, I love myself. Some can't even like themselves. Mm-hmm. So it's there's no point saying to these clients, just look in the mirror and say, I love you because their cells have not heard that message ever. They've heard the opposite of that. So the cells are not going to believe them. So you just, sometimes you have to start a little bit smaller and sometimes you have to say, oh, I really like that. My legs carried me around all day, or I like that i gave a stranger a compliment so maybe we have to start a little bit smaller for some people but it has to be consistent you can't just you can't just say it once and expect to to build a new channel of love for, for self um so yeah small and, and consistent some acts of like start with like or mm. acceptance if you can't even get to like acceptance mm. like, and then maybe love
0: Yeah, I mean, it is a big journey, isn't it? Like you say, for a lot of people that have, um, you know, lost their selves, lost connection to themselves along the way, you know, it's, it's, it is almost an easier path to use the reflection of another back towards yourself to able to then see what is it what qualities like people might say to you oh you're always good at listening to me or um I always feel good when I'm with you and then you can just use that sort of as a reference point you think oh actually you know maybe I do bring a quality to the situation that I hadn't realized so you use others as a a mirror back to you to show you the qualities that you carry that maybe you just haven't acknowledged before this point
1: yeah definitely that's that's it's it's a really good way really good way of doing it um, I think I went another course that I did once and we, you had to draw around your hand and you passed it around to people on the course and they all wrote something on each finger of, of some quality that you had. And then you get to keep it and you go, oh, well, yeah, I am like that. And I am like that. So, yeah, sometimes we, we need that mirror from from somebody else if we really don't have that kind that kind in a
0: voice yes I, it reminded me actually I was on a course once and uh, one of the icebreakers was you shared with the person next to you something about yourself or a little bit about your experience and then they brought it into a statement that they then shared on your behalf as that as you went around the room and I always found that quite sort of powerful to hear someone else saying what they interpreted of what you'd explained and because it because it was slightly detached from you hearing it back you were oh wow you know that i hadn't appreciated the depth of that about myself so all of these little icebreakers or you know exercises are really good and like you say it's the commitment to it's doing it regularly i mean i use mantra a lot um you know affirmations because i like either to write them down or say them out loud and and that for me is a daily practice um And there's some days I believe them more than others, you know, but just to still keep showing up every day and just saying it to yourself is, uh, I think that's the commit. That is self-love, isn't it? You know, showing up for yourself every day, no matter what's going on, you know, even if you're saying it through gritted teeth or, you know, even if you're just, even if you're struggling, just still show up for that little bit of self-nurture, self-love in whatever form, um,
1: yeah, whatever is going to work for you. Yeah, so finding some path to self-acceptance or self-liking, and hopefully eventually self-love, that's one road. In another road is um, finding your purpose. So research shows that if you if you have your if you found some purpose, then you have less uh, risk of heart disease, and dementia, and stroke, and depression. So, it's, this isn't some kind of um, woo woo where you oh, find, find your purpose. It actually changes you physiologically. Um, so, your purpose is that part of you when you take off all your other hats. So, it's not about being a parent, it's not your job title, it's not about being a spouse, it's um, finding that thing. If you're devoting, if you were giving um, money, donating money, or your time, or your skills, whatever it is that you're giving to, that might be your purpose. Or if you're doing something where you're not going to, you're not going to earn any money from it. So a course that I did, and I deliberated because all of my courses are to do with my job. Um, and there was a course um, in London doing embroidery, and it, clearly it's just for fun because I'm not going to, uh, I'm not going to do it for my job. And at the time I was doing, um, I had a um, heart rate variability monitor. So your heart rate is supposed to be, have various um, speeds between each beat. It's not supposed to be like a metronome and be really steady. It's supposed to have some variation, which shows a little bit more kind of resilience and and for, for the nervous system. And the best reading that I got on this heart rate monitor was when I'd gone into London, done an embroidery course just in the flow and chatting to people around there and then c- you come home and it was one of the best readings that I've got so I think I'd have figured that out anyway because I'd had, I'd had a lovely time and you don't necessarily need all the, this kind of tech I'd have figured it out anyway but it was just kind of there in, in black and white so I know that part of my purpose or something that's going to soothe my nervous system is is creating mm. and it, it can be childlike because embroidery I really like it because it can be messy and childlike. It doesn't have to be perfect. It's different every time. Um, so that's that's one way of finding your purpose is just doing something that you love doing, some, doing something that you did as a child, doing something that gets you in that flow so that you're not checking your phone um, and finding out the the, the peace underneath that.
0: Mm. Yeah. I think uh, that's I'm you know smiling because I have that same and um, I, I work with soul contract reading and the, the number six is all about creativity and that's what I'm hearing in your sharing there. It's like when you tap into that creative self. You know, I'm sure if somebody looked in your eyes on that course, they would have seen that Shen that you were talking about because it just exudes, you know, you're, you're just in, I mean, I call it passion, you know, it's just that sort of what's lighting you up, what's bringing that sort of sparkle to your eyes. And, and and when I would think back to my experience of that, it, it is what I used to love as a child, you know, and those sort of carefree moments of just complete surrender into the moment, you know, um But you have to drop, like you say, the labels, the titles, the responsibility, the expectation, you know, that either you society feels, you know, you felt society's imprinted on you or uh, your, you know, family dynamics have been pressed upon you. You have to let all of that go. And once that's all stripped back, you know, what is, what's the essence? What is that diamond sort of wanting to shine through you?
1: Yeah. That's that's definitely the journey, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think we need the research to tell us that finding purpose reduces the risk of heart disease. I think we probably already know. Sometimes we're not, we might need reminding of that, but I think we, we probably know that, that, um, finding that thing and doing that thing, even if it's for 10 minutes, you know, I'm not, I'm certainly not embroidering every day, but I'm baking or I may, I'm, I'm, making something even if it's just the making the room look nice there's always something that i'm doing that, that is, is is creating um, so yeah it doesn't have to you don't have to do it all day long but just making the space to practice a little bit yeah, yeah. Um, and another aspect which again there's research on but i don't, I don't i'm not sure that we need the research um, so for heart health gratitude is shown to lower stress hormones. Um, And one tip that I give to clients is, because I do it myself, is every night at bedtime, I name three things that I did well and three things that I was grateful for. And sometimes I'm scraping the barrel and I'm like, I drank some water today. (laughs) (laughs) Especially in lockdown when nothing much was happening. Um, So sometimes you have to kind of just start wherever wherever you're at and sometimes it's big things that you're you're grateful for or big things that you did well but it's that consistency uh, and that rewiring of your brain for positivity because you're saying I did this well and this good thing happened and I'm thankful for that. So it's just that there's the, a literal rewiring of the brain. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah we don't need the research try it do it consistent consistently and just see see how that changes anything.
0: Yeah, and I think it's one of those, um, like you say, gratitude is quite infectious because if you just start on something it's amazing how it opens up this sort of portal in your thinking and you think oh yes and uh that and uh, oh and that and and suddenly the list has grown even if you know you start off and it's a a struggle or it, it just it it does feed itself and i think before long you do find you've got a bigger list than perhaps you thought you had and you know you might need to get down to the minutiae of life you know like you say having fresh water just the capacity to have some fresh water you know but it's still uh, you know it's still all there it's still you know we can sometimes just move along life in quite a numb sort of frequency but if you actually sort of open up for a moment and just say actually what have I experienced today what did light me up you know what what joy did I find in my day and suddenly this whole new layer is just there and you think oh wow that's uh that's a lot to be grateful for yeah
1: it, it can i think for clients who maybe have some depression and anxiety it can feel like a big ask but once you kind of say it's okay if on your list is i didn't stab anybody in the eye with my <laughs> fork today then that that's a win and then they can build on that and they go actually i had a shower today i got out of bed today and then they can that starts that foundation starts to build of actually I'm doing maybe better than I thought I was mm-hmm. so it kind of can be helpful from that point of view so it depends where you are
0: yeah I and mean, even with um like you say with the people that have got sort of um, underlying depression or obvious depression it's it's like just acknowledging you know I'm acknowledging I'm feeling low today and that's okay and that's a a gratitude in itself isn't it you're you're just acknowledging that it's a low day and I might be able to turn it around but I might not and that's okay it's just that dialogue isn't it that you're being heard you know we've referenced before about the inner child in all of us it's like just let that inner child be heard and if it's if it's feeling low or sad that's okay but just recognize it and then I often sort of explore the feeling of, um, well, what if that was the case? It, it, is that a problem? Will that really happen? And then you can answer, well, probably not. And then you almost sort of coach yourself out of, you know, a drama or a depressive state or a sadness. And um, you can bring it back round, but it's just like giving yourself that space to almost just acknowledge how you're actually feeling. I think that's yeah. a huge step in a lot of people's lives.
1: Yeah, it comes back to the the self the self love, doesn't it? If you're mm. accepting that you're feeling down that day and that's okay, I think that's an act of self love as well.
0: Mm, totally agree. Um,
1: so, self love, purpose, gratitude, and um, finding joy finding joy in things. And for me, it's the um, the small everyday things. So I did, I did a little list and I asked you to do a little list. Um, so, um, should we do one each? Yeah, yeah. I love when you're driving along and you see a dog with its head hanging out in the car window.
0: and Its <laughs> tongue hanging out. <laughs> it just fills my heart up with joy. Yeah. yeah. Well, my first one is um, opening up a tin of coloured pencils and um, it's just I love the smell I love the way they look and it just brings me so much joy the, the potential of what you could do with those tin of coloured pencils just lights me up every time
1: Because you're you're an artist anyway aren't you I do and, and is there a childlike element that comes with that yeah.
0: as yeah well? oh, yeah it really does yeah I remember getting my first tin of pencils and it was a big moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Um, okay, so I love if you're on the sofa and the children. You've got one of the children. Mine are big now. When they lean their weight on you, and you can kind of feel the heat off them, and I secretly kind of suck that in <laughs> <laughs> and keep and keep that because you never know when it's going to be the last time that they they kind of lean all their weight on you. Yeah, so that kind yeah. of really up my heart when they kind of they're just leaning on you. I really yeah. like
0: that. Yeah, I, my second one's uh, related to my children, actually. It's when they smile and laugh. I just love that because you can see, again, it's probably I'm seeing the shine in their eyes and that, that laughter. And you just, it just invites you and everyone to just be in that moment of real surrender and just freedom. You know, yeah. I, I, I just love it. And the fact that obviously they're older too, but they're still carrying that Great vibrancy about them, and so the laugh is so pure, and, and I just love that.
1: Definitely joy, definitely joyful, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I love when I've made homemade biscuits and I put them in a glass jar.
0: Oh, wow, <laughs> it
1: fills me up with joy.
0: Wow, yeah. so do you think it's like making of the biscuits or just seeing them in the jar?
1: think it's the making of them and you know the good quality and seeing them displayed nicely in the jar
0: yeah oh yeah I can see that that's great (laughs) so my other one is lighting a candle I just love that Just you know, it's quite a ritualistic thing for me anyway. Because I I often meditate with a candle anyway. But just even around my house, I've got candles lit, and I love that the scent that you can get from some of them now as well. Uh, You know, aromatherapy oils, essential oils, and you know all those sort of beautiful things. But that sense of just seeing that match to strike and then light that flame, it's just pure joy.
1: Very sensory as well, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, and, and my next one is um, light. It's um, fairy lights because we have we keep fairy lights up all year round. It uh, i have got three three rooms. I've got fairy lights on. We literally call them the joy lights. It's like oh, will you put the joy lights on?
0: Yeah. And it just fills me yeah <laughs> <laughs> every time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's funny actually because I my one was actually uh, gazing up into the stars. Uh, you know, on a very clear night. Like I. Yeah. I feel like I sort of go somewhere that's just different to just living this earthbound life. And it just gives me a sense of elevated joy, you know? And I mean, I have been fortunate enough to see some shooting stars. And when I was in India, there was some great night skies. Um, and every now and again here in the UK, I do get blessed with some great visual um. You know, uh, uh, galactic, cosmic, sort of uh, constellation, and that just—I love it. It just fascinates me. I think that it's the fascination I—I I love. It's just that.
1: I think there's some awe that comes with the stars as well, mm. and again, there's some research on on awe and experiencing awe and how it changes how it changes you. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely, mm. definitely, it. yeah. Um, my last one is um the sun. So either if it's shining through the window and I just kind of lie like a cat on the on the warm spot or feeling the sun on, on bare skin um when if I'm outside, it just it fills me up. It really fills me up, which is mm-hmm. good if we're talking about summer and the heart. Yeah. These clouds just part a little bit and let a bit of sun through. But yeah, warmth from the sun fills me up.
0: Yeah. I, my um, final one links back to my sort of creativity again, because it's a white sheet of paper. Ah. <laughs> I just I love the smell of it. Yeah. I I can't get enough of the smell of good quality <laughs> white paper. And I, I love the sort of potential again, I, I, again, linking back to those tin of pencils for me what you can create you know what's going to appear on that white piece of paper and years ago because I went through art college and um, I studied graphic design at university and we often were presented with white sheets of paper and a lot of the students were oh my gosh I can't bear it it's too much white space I need to fill it but I absolutely love the void of the white to just sort of you know what's going to appear in front of me in this next moment and and that just brings me great joy too
1: yeah very sensory as well again smelling
0: yeah yeah it's funny isn't it how often we've picked up on these sort of sensory touch feel smell taste they're all but all appeared haven't they definitely
1: yeah so it can finding joy is very much in in the everyday it doesn't have to be booking a week's a week's holiday or lying on the beach it can just be in in the everyday almost the mundane things but just just paying attention and noticing it and maybe allowing it to expand your heart a little bit. Yeah. And then the last one that you can do to kind of bring the balance back to the heart is I left it to last because it's such a small part of the the stories. Um, I'm going to call it movement rather than exercise. I think Western, the Western world would call it exercise, but I prefer to call it movement because even the word exercise can put some people off. Um, and when I um, I did some training in China and um, you'd go into the park and everybody's moving, exercising, but they're doing um, Tai Chi and Qigong and ballroom dancing and nobody's breaking a sweat. <laughs> nobody's trying to burn calories or trying to change the shape of their bum. It's exercise for, for health. Um, and I think it's really important to find that thing that... Is a combination of exercise and joy. Um, for me, I think maybe it was about 10 years ago that was the last time I was at a gym. And I used to enjoy doing weights. And so, I'd do a weight class. And then, as soon as the weight class had finished, the teacher would be like, OK, off you go now to your spin class so you can burn your 500 calories. <laughs> I'm like, I'm actually here for longevity and health. I'm not interested in burning calories. So, that was the end of my, my <laughs> gym membership because. <laughs> it just wasn't it just didn't fit fit right with with where i'm at some people love the gym and that's okay if you don't love the gym walking ticks so many boxes Mm. you know walking through the forest forest bathing or salsa or yoga it's just about finding a way to finding joy in moving your body rather than punishing yourself for some cake that you ate yeah Mm.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing is, I think people often underestimate the value of the body, you know, it, it's such a vehicle for us to look after and, you know, obviously, you know, we're all aging and so the body, although it can regenerate in its parts, it still needs that sort of tender maintenance that isn't always such sort of extreme endurance and strength building Um there is the other side of that and it's like the harmonious sort of expressive balance and um you know like you say qigong tai chi uh you know they are quite demanding practices in in an unusual way like you say you're not going to break into a sweat but you are going to have felt very um uh what would be the word i would use um because of the focus and the sort of intention behind the movement uh, you know it's very it's very present moment isn't it you you can be on a bike and your mind can be wandering can't it but when you're doing sort of like you say qigong uh, tai chi because you work with energy so much I feel that you you have to stay with it to to hold that space and And it's amazing I think you know how great you can feel after a a session like or even just walking mindfully consciously um, you know and, and really consciously not scattered thinking just really present moment thinking.
1: Yeah yeah so don't worry if you're not into going to the gym or you really don't want to put lycra on and there are other ways of looking after you, your heart health through through movement. And then, of course, all the other ways with purpose and gratitude and joy. So you don't have to beat yourself up if you're not a natural gym bunny. But if you love going to the gym, then, then you do you.
0: Yeah. Well, also, from my, my personal um, experience the summer, because it's quite a hot season for me, you know, those when when the sun is out and strong. Um, I, I don't have the energy to be pushing into the exertion phase of life you know I have to find shade and I prefer to sort of slightly retreat into cooler climes so uh you know that would be the last thing for me to be on my mind is to really be pounding uh you know myself through the summer you know through winter months I do appreciate it more but uh, in the summer I'm not led to to have such extreme activities in my life yeah yeah
1: so it's important isn't it to do what feels right for you in in the different seasons yeah so those are, those are different ways that you can think about heart health. Um, another thing that I work a lot with is kind of the heart-womb connection because there's a, a meridian that connects heart and womb or heart and prostate. I'm mo- I mostly work with women, so it's mostly heart, heart-womb. heart And I think there can be a, a disconnect between the two if there's been especially kind of stacked, tra- stacked trauma. So I might work with somebody who has had difficulty falling pregnant and then fell pregnant, but then had a miscarriage and then has had to have IVF. So it's kind of one thing after another with um, small T trauma. And it, it tends to then be a disconnect between heart and womb. So even though if somebody's coming in with fertility issues, I tend to work a lot with, with heart as well to try and reopen this, this connection. Um, so for somebody at home, if they felt maybe there was a disconnect, they could pop their hand over their heart and hand over their womb and almost imagine what that connection would be like if it would have a color or a vibration or a shape or if there was words going back and forth and and just see if it, it flowed easily from one from one way to the other way or not and and sit with that and either kind of try and imagining the connection or if that was really difficult and maybe reaching out reaching out to a therapist or, or getting a little bit of extra help but, but yeah I do work a lot with wounds as well when it comes to heart mm. kind of obvious I suppose
0: yeah yeah well that's right it's uh, you know it's as we've already explored together on the other episodes you know each of these organs and you know that they're, they're so sort of powerhouses in their own right and they they as you've said you know they're always always linked you know they're, they're not ever running in isolation ever so it would make sense that there is always this dialogue feeding up and down I mean I use the chakras a lot you know the sort of the central line so you know I I'm checking in regularly to see Are they spinning? You know, is there flow there? You know, starting at the base and the root and moving up into the crown, and 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 the more you do it, like we've already said, with this commitment to practice of self love, self care, you get to feel like, oh, that's feeling a bit heavy today. There, that's not. It doesn't seem to have some flow there. So, and then, like you say, go in and ask some questions of the self. So, yeah, um, Yeah. definitely, yeah, yeah,
1: and then probably the last piece if we circle back around to pericardium. So yeah, it's a literal organ, connected tissue, wraps itself around the heart, physically to protect you from physical shock and infection, but also to protect you, the bigger picture is to protect you from emotional shock. So when we've had a heartbreak, basically everybody's had heartbreak the the energy of a pericardium comes up to kind of protect us from from more pain, which is brilliant at the time, but long-term, it can be a little bit detrimental because once that drawbridge comes up, it stops the pain coming in, but it also stops love coming in, and it stops love from properly coming out. We think that we might be fully loving, but we can't be because we've got this protective here. Um, so sometimes it comes to, it might come a point where you, you have to thank your pericardium for, for the protection, but let it know that you're safe now and that maybe a couple of the bricks can come down, the drawbridge can come down a little bit, check that you're still safe and then maybe a little bit more. Um, it feels like a little bit, um, we've got our fight or flight response, but within that, there's also that freeze response. It's just like, kind of holding the breath and I think the pericardium can can get into that a little bit where it just kind of goes into overprotective mode and then doesn't know that it's okay to to let go um so yeah sometimes sometimes it's like you keep letting the wrong person in that that can be a little bit of a pericardium issue as well or um boundary issues that kind of thing Mm -hmm. so yeah I do work a lot with with pericardium maybe more than than actually with heart actually sometimes yeah, you know, mm. because it is the, the protector yeah and because we've all had heartbreak and trauma as well
0: mm. yeah it's been a fascinating insight for me because i was aware of this sort of secondary heart layer as as you described and i i had it in my sort of mind's eye as more like a, a sort of a sheath but i can see now how if you have experienced excessive traumas heartbreaks as you've referenced that sheath can get actually quite thick skinned can't it or like you say this protective layer can become quite um closed dense and to see it as a separate sort of experience or entity of your uh, you know uh, life it's actually a really good thing and I and I think it, it sort of brought me some clarity because when I did my first early few years of yoga training we we're always talking about the heart and there's lots of um, heart um, exercises you can do sort of energetic movements and I used to do these and I always used to feel like I got to a point with it after like you know 10 years of practice and still feel like I hadn't quite got into it you know it was like I get so far with this because I work with energy all the time. So I'm familiar with it, but I used to feel with my heart space. Yeah, I'm bringing that in. I'm sending it out. But there always felt like there was this slight resistance, blockage, sabotage. I don't know, but some energetic freezing perhaps is a word to use. And now I understand that it would be the pericardium aspect of my heart space that would be the bit that was stopping me from fully allowing that complete flow.
1: Yeah, definitely could be, definitely yeah. Like I say, I do work with probably more pericardiums than, than actual hearts. So mm. yeah, yeah, something to explore. Yeah. So if I just finish with giving you a couple of um, acupressure points um, that are easily accessible. So uh, so if we um, the crease of the wrist on the little finger side, yeah, just where crease joins onto the the forearm. You can be super subtle and just just massage this. It's called Heart 7, if you wanted to have a look. Oh, probably, um, I'll probably do a blog post and I'll do a picture so that you can, if you want to be more precise with, with the point. Mm. Um, so this is great if, you're, if you want to be subtle, but kind of um, connecting or clear any heart energy. If you're on a Zoom meeting and you start to feel anxious or nervousness or even in real life you can easily just kind of hold on to your own wrist and massage that point and imagine whatever it is you need whether it's calming down the heart or giving some heart energy or opening up your heart or whatever it is so that point is called heart seven but i'll i'll do a blog post with a little picture mm-hmm. and then the other one is the pericardium it's quite a famous one because um the pregnant uh, women who have nausea they have that um wrist uh, wristband oh, on yeah. it. well that's on an acupuncture point so you can do uh, three fingers from the crease, three fingers from the crease of the wrist. And mm. it, in between, you should have two pingy tendons. Yeah. If you were using a needle, it would be in between those. But because you're using acupressure, you can just gently massage those or pop a hand the hand over the heart and connecting with pericardium. Imagine what your drawbridge might be like and maybe give thanks because you did a super job at the time, mm-hmm. but you may do need that level of protection
0: anymore yeah gosh that's really great and what I love about all the advice you've been giving us is it's so accessible you know we you you know we've been down at the feet and the ankles before and now we're up at the wrists and the hands you know they're all points that you can just do like you say on a zoom meeting even uh, so yeah. it's great that um you know we can serve ourselves so well with these practices yeah yeah
1: um, because I think traditional Chinese medicine, sometimes with the, with the, I think it's really important to honor the, the, the theory of it, because otherwise it's just cultural appropriation. And you're just taking the good bits from it. It's, it's important to honor the yin and the yang and the chi and the blood and, and, and this kind of language, but somehow also make it accessible for the, the, the Western mind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully we've kind of gained a different way of looking at the heart and we know that cardiovascular, health is just a part of the picture we need to look in at joy and gratitude and and purpose and some self-love and movement is kind of bottom of the list really for heart health
0: Mm. yeah yeah it sounds like the fundamentals of life right there really (laughs) (laughs) yeah Right. Well, thank you so much, um, Alison, for joining us again. It's always a real pleasure to learn um, how we can support ourselves. So um, and as you've mentioned, you know, we'll put some links um, under the show notes. And so people can read a little bit more about on your blog post or get in contact. And um, I look forward to seeing you again in a few months where we move into autumn. Yes, we'll
1: do. I'll see you soon.
0: Yeah. Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.